pandemic, a contentious election cycle, a divisive media on both the right and the left, endless arguments over social issues, church division and arguments. If there was ever a time in the history of our society when we needed more of the Spirit in our lives, it's now. This series is a study of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we're talking about how we can have more of these things in our lives. Thank you for joining us as we talk about life by the Spirit. Week because I totally forgot it last week. Uh, just told, I was supposed to do it at the end of the message, and uh, our Jim, our treasurer, is like, uh, forget anything this Sunday? <laughs> just totally forgot about it. So we said, let's just video it this Sunday, and that way uh, it won't be dependent upon me remembering or not. But guess what? You guys gave more last week than you did the week before. So it, um, apparently you don't need me to mention it, and so that, that's great. But I appreciate your generosity. We are in a series right now called Life by the Spirit, and if you are uh, in the room with us, we've got a great crowd in the room today. Thank you for being here. If you're joining online... Thank you for being here today as well. Um, we're, we're in Galatians 5, verses 13 and following, kind of. Uh, we're not really camping out in Galatians 5 because that's just kind of the basis for the entire series. So in Galatians 5, Paul talks about what it means to live according to the Spirit. And he talks about this idea that we have two spirits living in us. We, uh, we have a sinful nature that lives in us because we're all human, so we all are sinful. We have that sinful nature that lives in us, our own passions, our own desires. And we have the Spirit of God living in us because we're Christian. And so uh, we, he says that these two spirits are in conflict with one another so that we're not to do whatever we want. So as Christians, we're to be led by the Spirit, and so we're to reject our own passions and desires and follow in the way of the Spirit. And just to drive the point home, he gives two lists. He says, here's what it looks like to live according to sin. And he gives this list of things, uh, you know, selfishness, uh, selfish ambition, envy, jealousy, discord, fits of rage, hatred. He goes, goes through all these lists. And then he says, and here's what it looks like to live according to the Spirit. And he lists nine different characteristics. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, if you're living according to the Spirit, these things will be in your life in increasing measure. And so we're doing one of those a week. We're just going through them backwards because we're trying to align this with Advent that's coming up really soon, about a month away from Advent, actually. So we're going through these backwards. So last week we talked about self-control, and uh, this week we're talking about gentleness. And I put something on Facebook this morning right before I drove to church just asking the question, is gentleness something that we really want? Like when you think of the fruits of the Spirit, we think of the fruits of the Spirit as this is something that everybody wants in our lives. Like everybody. Like somebody said to me right after the very first message, or like this series, nobody will disagree with this series. Everybody wants more love in their life. Everybody wants more peace in their life. Everybody wants more joy in their life. Everybody wants to be more self-controlled. Everybody wants to be kinder. Except when it comes to this one, do we really want to be gentler? Like, is this something that we want? Is this something that our society values or that we personally value or that churches value even? Gentler. Is that something that, that seems to be, that's the, the, a, a more gentle society seems to be carrying the day today, right? When you read the news, when you look at social media, we're just a gentler, 
more civil, more meek, more mild society than ever before. See, I mean, is that something we want? Because when you look at, like, our pastors and our politicians and our coaches, our CEOs, our media pundits, our social media warriors, all the people that we kind of look to and celebrate and respect are not gentle. I mean, they're the opposite of gentle. They're aggressive and they're angry and, uh, you know, they're kind of win-at-all-cost mentality. And that seems to be what we celebrate right now. So do we really want this fruit of the Spirit to be in our lives more? There was an article that made the rounds in Christian circles today. Uh, One of our staff members sent it to me from the Atlantic, said the evangelical church is breaking apart. Now, if you've ever read articles in the Atlantic, you know that they're like many books. So you can't, you can't read them in one city. They take forever to read articles from the Atlantic. But uh, I finally worked through this one, and this, this author is making the point. He's talking about the rise of political discord within the evangelical church and how that's leading to more aggressive behavior, more power struggles, more fights for control within churches, uh, more d- divisiveness. Uh, within churches and just kind of more insults and more fights and it's leaving a lot of hurt people in its wake and it, it, the article resonated with me because I'm like I'm living part of that I mean I, I'm, I'm seeing some of that I, I see how that's happening within churches today and I see it happening in, in friends churches and I, I read about it happening in, in you know people that I don't know you know David Platt and these other big pastors and stuff I read about it happening in their churches and I'm like this is a really challenge at 2021 has been more challenging than 2020, and I never saw that coming. I don't think any of us saw that coming, did we? We were thinking like 2020. Oh, think, remember when we, how happy we were when the new year rolled around? It was like 2021, thankfully, it's over, and it, it just got worse. And uh, there, he goes, and he talks about in this article about pastors leaving the ministry, not leaving churches. Pastors are leaving the ministry because of, quote, hostile work environments. These are churches. I mean, these are, I mean, the church ought to be the easiest place to work, right? But, but pastors are leaving churches because of hostile work environments. And here's the way he defines it. This, I'll just pull out one paragraph that explains it. He said, the root of the discord lies in the fact that many Christians have embraced the worst aspects of our culture and politics. When the Christian faith is politicized, churches become repositories not of grace but of grievances. Places where tribal identities are reinforced, where fears are nurtured, and where aggression and nastiness are sacralized. The result is not only wounding the nation, it's having a devastating impact on the Christian faith. What he's basically saying is, it's become okay to uh, be ugly to people. I mean, even in the church, like that's become acceptable to behavior. It's become okay to, to insult people that we disagree with, to, to, to disparage people that we don't see eye to eye with them politically or we don't see eye to eye to them on certain social issues or we just don't see eye to eye to them at all. It, it's become okay to be, to be nasty and dismissive of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That's become acceptable behavior. And when people call for more civility in our, in our national discourse, you know, every now and then there'll be somebody write a paper or, you know, some uh, YouTube or something, and they call for more civility, it's often the Christians who are saying, no, no, we can't afford, there, there's too much at stake. You know, the culture war, no, we, no, civility is not the way forward. This is not how we're going to win the culture war. We, we're not going to win it with meekness and, and humility. We're going to win it with aggressiveness and angry outburst. And so 
many times it's the Christians who are advocating against civility in our conversations. Um, so again, I'll ask, is this something we really want? You know how difficult it is to write a message about a fruit of the Spirit that I'm thinking, people may not want this one. <laughs> like, they don't, they're not coming going, I need to know how to be more gentle. They may not want this one. Is it something we want? Because I just, I, I keep seeing it over and over again. And you can, there's so many examples. I, it just this morning, driving in, I was listening to uh, the last episode that dropped, the, the, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And uh, it's about a church out in Seattle that, you know, grew up to, to be a big mega church. And then it, then it collapsed. And it's kind of the, the sto- it's the breakdown of what happened there. And uh, I got to thinking that the more that pastor, and you can listen to it, I the, but the more that pastor, the angrier he became, the more the church grew. Like the, the, the more bombastic he came against fighting out against the culture and calling out this and calling out this and calling out this, the, the, the more that church grew. Because we, we like leaders like that on some level. The more authoritarian control people have as leaders, we like those kinds of leaders. And I won't give any political examples. You can come up with a few probably. But the, but the more, you know, like when the, the, the more gentle someone is, we're like, we reject those type of leaders. We, we want a strong leader. We want somebody that's going to be very aggressive, a win-at-all-cost mentality, uh, not going to take anything off of anybody. Like athletically, those, we love the coaches that are stalking the sidelines and scowling at their players and F-bombing the officials. I mean, we like those coaches. Those are like the Bobby Knights of the world. Like those are the ones when he throws that chair across, we're like, yeah, that's the kind of coach we need today. And if somebody calls those coaches out, what do we say? Like you saw, there was one in Nashville, a high school coach kind of lost it with a player a little bit. And everybody goes, all the comments say, ah, kids ain't tough anymore. We got to be tougher. You know, they go, That's a, my coach would have done that to me. I mean, we like that type of mentality. So it's a question, again, like never mind the fact that many of the people who succeed according to aggressiveness and, and anger and authoritarian control usually fall because of their aggressiveness and their anger and their authoritarian control. So like a lot, they, they will, it will, you'll win elections. And uh, you'll grow businesses and you'll win ball games, but it, it will come back to bite you. Um, pride goes before the fall. But it's a valid question. Like, do we want more gentleness in our lives? And so I was thinking about this week as I'm writing this message. Like, is this something we want? Is this something we want? And then I thought, that's the wrong question. Because we're Christians. It's the wrong question. It's not, do we want more gentleness in our life? What's, what's the question? Does God want more gentleness in our lives? Like, should we, it's, that's the question, should we want more of this in our lives? We're Christians. We submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Does he want us to be more gentle? Does he call us to be humbler? Does he call us to be meek? Does he, like, what does Jesus require of us? And that's the question we need to be asking. It's not what do we want and what wins ball games and what wins elections and what grows churches and what uh, grows businesses and what what makes us successful and what makes us popular and what gets more likes on social media and what gets more comments and what gets more cheers. That's the wrong question. That's a, that's a worldly question to ask. The, the question to ask is, what does Jesus want for us in our lives? And how do we find that out? We, we read the book. <laughs> and so I went and I started reading the teachings of Jesus. Look at this. I want to take you through these. I'm gonna, you won't have to turn to any particular passage because I'm going to go through four pretty quickly here. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. The phrase that got me there is Jesus saying, I am gentle and humble of heart. So Jesus says this, this fruit of the Spirit that, that Paul talked about, Jesus embodied that fruit of the Spirit. Jesus was gentle. That doesn't mean that Jesus didn't speak up against injustices. It doesn't mean that Jesus didn't speak up and defend the vulnerable. It doesn't mean that he didn't turn over tables when he felt like something was going wrong in the temple there. I mean, it was there. It's, gentleness is not a weakness. And that's, I think, where we get confused about this. That's why we think we don't want it, because gentleness feels weak or it feels soft. And I think if you look at the example of Jesus, it's, it's, not, it's not weak. It takes an incredible amount of strength. I think the strength of Jesus is his humility. The strength of Jesus is, is his gentleness. And the Bible tells us in multiple places to be more like him. So you start with this idea that Jesus is gentle and humble of heart. And then jump over to Philippians chapter 2. You're familiar with this one. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Those he listed as acts of the sinful nature in Galatians 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Some of your uh, translations say, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. We're to call to have the attitude of Christ Jesus. And he defines it for us. Who? Being in the very nature of God. In other words, having the ultimate power, the ultimate strength. Being, being all, the ultimate authority. Being in the very nature of God. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, he became obedient and found himself in the appearance of man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so Paul's challenging the church in Philippi and the churches, you know, 2,000 years later. You should have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Jesus was gentle and humble of heart. Even when he had the ultimate power and the ultimate authority, he chose not to use that to his advantage, but he chose to humble himself and become a servant. And this is the example that is set before us. This is how we are to live our lives as well. Paul continues in some other letters. The church he wrote to Ephesus in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, he says this, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So Jesus calls us to live according to his ways, to live according to his life and his teaching. And, and part of that is humility, gentleness, patience, um, and love. Forbearance there is mentioned as well. And then Titus. This one I found particularly encouraging in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. He says, remind the people. To be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle toward everyone. At one time, here's what I like about it. It's the same appeal that he makes to Ephesus and Philippi. You know, it's the same appeal. But what I like about it is he describes like, we used to be the opposite. But now we're not. And you think about Paul's history as he's writing this. You guys, if, if you don't know anything about the Apostle Paul, go up and read, read the book of Acts and read about Saul. He held the coats as they stoned Christians. He went around and persecuted Christians and had them arrested and killed. I mean, he, he was the exact opposite. You're like, I think the people in the first century would be reading, like the people in, in Philippians might have read this and go, Paul, formerly Saul, is telling us to be gentle. You know, like he's telling us to have the same attitude as Christ. Are you serious? That guy, the Pharisee, 
the one, like, I mean, we forget that this is the opposite of who Paul was. Paul was the exact opposite of gentle. But what happened? Look at, look at his words here. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Look at the next one. But when the kindness and love of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, we, we used to, to live in this way. This is the way we used to respond. But we have been saved. So God saved us from our tempers. God saved us from our angry outbursts. God saved us from our aggressive behavior. God saved us from being out of control. God saved us from this kind of take it, it's our arrogance. God saved us from these things. We don't have to respond in that way. We don't have to, to respond in, in that way anymore. We are different because of what Jesus has done. And he describes it in, the, in what we talked all through this. Jesus saved us from our past, but he gave us the Spirit so that we would walk in his ways. And that's what, look, he saved, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. Here's the way Christopher Wright describes the change. I've got this as a quote, Noah. Gentleness shows itself. Listen to this. This is a description of it. Gentleness shows itself when I've learned that the Christ-like way to respond to conflicts and quarrels, rejection, unfairness, or harsh words spoken against me is not with bluster and self-defense, not with harsh and aggressive words, not with angry gestures and facial expressions, not with prickles and spikes, but rather with softness, controlling my tongue and my temper. That's that's the fruit of the Spirit. I think he does a great job explaining what that fruit of the Spirit is and what we're called to do. We're called to, Jesus was gentle and humble of heart. As followers of Jesus, we're called to have the same attitude of Christ Jesus. We're called to live a life worthy of the calling we have received, which includes humility and gentleness and, and bearing with one another in love. That's what we're called to do as Christians. Now, that's the teaching, okay? Teach, teaching done, let's deal with the objections. <laughs> because we, we hear that and we're like, part of us wants to say amen and part of us goes, yeah, but wait a minute. If I do that, mm, wait a minute. And there's, there's, there's three objections I want to deal with briefly to, to this idea of gentleness and why we should practice this in our lives. The first objection is, but won't it make me soft? And that's I mentioned that one already. But won't it make, like, won't it make me weak? If I, if, I'm, if I practice this, I'm going to become weak. And this is a, I think it's a particular struggle for men. I say that because I am a man. Uh, I don't know how much of a struggle it is for women. I can't say that because I'm not a woman. But I'm saying like it's, there's this, our masculinity comes into play here. Because we feel like if, I, if I'm being gentle, that I'm, I'm not being a man. Somehow we define manhood in terms of aggressiveness and anger and outburst and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so gentleness doesn't feel very manly to me. You know, it feels like I'm being soft. And, and I would just challenge us to think about that just a little bit. Because I think it takes more strength of character to respond with gentleness and humility when we're offended or, you know, somebody has provoked us in some way or somebody says something unkind to us or somebody does something unkind to us. It takes more strength of character to respond with gentleness and humility than it does the other. Like, it's kind of like any old fool can cuss somebody out. <laughs> you know, any old fool can throw a fit. Any old fool can have a temper tantrum. We see it all the time. 
but it takes a, a real strength to respond differently. Like one of my heroes when I, in football is uh, Tony Dungy. If you ever read Tony Dungy's book, he talks about that. Like, you know, any old football coach can cuss players out. I mean, come on, that's easy. It takes a, it takes a certain kind of strength to, to lead people in a way that, to lead with a humble spirit. And I think that was one of the things that made him such an effective leader. Was, and he was so countercultural. And you know why he was that way? It was his faith in Christ. It, it, his faith in Christ motivated that I need to lead in a different way than the, what the culture around me leads because Christ calls me to live in a different way. I'll give you another example real quick. And uh, this was, some of you shared this on your Instagram page, and I, I watched the video. And so you may have seen this already because it was a viral video this week. Uh, the Dad's on Duty, did you see that video? There was a high school, I think it was in Louisiana, where uh, they, like over the course of three days, there were fights. Every day there's fights in this high school. And how are you going to solve this? You know, and there was a group of dads that went in and solved it. A group of men went in and solved it, not by knocking heads, not by going in and responding with equal violence to stop this. They just responded with their presence, and that's what stopped it. Watch this and see if you don't see a little bit of the spirit of gentleness in this story. Watch this right here. When the SOS went up at a troubled school, who answered the call? A bunch of DADs. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. Not many good news stories begin in such a bad news way. It happened last month here at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana. Plagued with violence. Over the course of three days, another fight. 23 students arrested for fighting. Massive police response. But strangely, there hasn't been another incident since. Perhaps in part because of this most unusual crisis intervention team. Nobody here has a degree in school counseling. No majors in criminal justice. No, no. Your qualifications are? Well, Dad, we decided the best people who can take care of our kids are who? For us. So Michael Lafitte started Dads on Duty. We're out doing what we do for our babies. A group of about 40 Southwood dads who now hang out at the school in shifts. Let's go. Today, any negative energy that enters the building has to run a gauntlet of good parenting. What's going on, buddy? You moving fast. I like that horse. I immediately felt a form of safety. We stopped fighting. People started going to class. How could that be? You ever heard of a look? A look? Dads it's have the power to do that? Yes. <laughs> not many people know it, but yes. <laughs> let's go, let's go. But it's not just the firm stares and stern warnings. Let's make it to class, my son. It's also the dad jokes. <laughs> they just make funny jokes like, oh, hey, your student's untied, but it's really not untied. <laughs> and they hate it. They're so embarrassed by it. <laughs> and it's that perfect mix of tough love and gentle ribbing that dads do so well that has helped transform this school. The school has really just been like happy and you can feel it. Which is why the dads plan to keep coming to Southwood indefinitely. Because not everybody has the father figure, the father figure at home. Or a male period in their life. Like so that. just to be here makes a big difference. Do you think you stumbled onto something here? Absolutely. I think absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. They'd like to start chapters of Dads on Duty throughout Louisiana. What's up, baby boy? And hope to eventually take on the country. All right. Without a fight. <laughs> Steve Hartman, on the road, in Shreveport, Louisiana. 
I just love it because I'm, I'm, I'm writing a sermon on gentleness. And I'm like, did you, did you see a bunch of weak men on screen there? I mean, did you see a bunch of soft men as they're sitting there talking to these dads? I mean, no, it's strength. And it's the strength of character. Not They didn't go in there knocking heads and all that. It's the strength of character. And I see, I have no idea what their faith is. I have no idea if they're Christian faith or not. But I saw the, the fruit of the Spirit in there. I saw the fruit of gentleness in there. So gentleness does not make you soft. Um, the second objection is, I, I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> I just, I want to be that. Like, what you're describing in this message, I want to be. I just, I've, I've done the other way for so long, I don't know how to do it. I, I've never had an example of how to do that in my life. If you knew my father or my uncle or whatever, you know, or my teacher or my coach, I've just never had an example of how to do it. I want to give you a real simple, simple thing to do. And I'm stealing this from our children's ministry. Uh, there was one children's ministry lesson that has stuck with me. And it may be the only one, but this one, it wasn't from mine. It was a kid, it was my kids did it. And uh, Jenny did this years ago with our kids. And it was in this room over here for our children's ministry. It was the pause button. And some of you may remember it if you've been here for a really long time, but she said, I need a bunch of stickers with a pause button on it. You know what I'm talking about, the graphic with the pause button. She said, I need a bunch of stickers with a pause button on it. I'm like, what is that for? She said, well, we're talking about anger. And so we're talking about like whenever you get angry or you get upset about something, you know, you're getting ready to throw a fit about something, you just hit the pause button. And you just, that, that teaches you to kind of just pause and re- re- relax, give it some time, and continue and that's actually you know Stephen Covey talks about this in seven habits of highly effective people stimulus and response there's a stimulus something provokes us somebody says something to us somebody does something to us and then there's our response the closer the stimulus and response usually the worse the result right when we act on impulse it usually doesn't end well we don't, there's rare a time that we act on impulse and go, that went, that went really well. <laughs> I was really, I was, I thought that went really well. I, that was, that was a good cussing right there. Uh, you know, it's rare, right? The longer we have between stimulus and response, the, the better we respond. And that's what the pause button is. It's just hit the pause button. And I, I still remember that. I, I probably need to wear the sticker, <laughs> but I still remember that. Hit the pause button. And so that means whenever there's, somebody provokes something, somebody does something, somebody says something, just pause, count to 10, take three deep breaths, uh, give it a day, whatever it is, whatever your, how much time you need to give, just pause between stimulus and response. A lot of times you discover, I don't need to respond at all. Sometimes you say, I do need to respond, but you're much more calm and rational and reasonable when you do respond and you respond in the right way. Even if you're standing up for something, sometimes you need to stand up for something, but you respond in the right way rather than, than an out of control way. And then the last one I'll mention is this. And I'm going to get, I'm going to, the, the band's going to come back out because we've got a song we're going to sing to close this message. The last objection is, I don't think I can do this. So it's like, even if, you know, if I convince you, like, okay, I know it's not going to make me soft. I, I, I get that. I want to be gentle. I want to be self-controlled. I want to be humble. I want to be meek. I, I get how to do it. I just don't think I can. I just, I, I just don't think it's possible. It, I just, I don't think I have it in me. And the answer to that question or objection is, you don't. You, you don't. If you're dependent on you, your willpower, your discipline, your control, you don't. That's why we have Jesus. That's why we have the Spirit living in our lives. And so we're going to close today with a prayer for gentleness. We begin this service by inviting the Holy Spirit. That was that first song was about, we, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Welcome you in our lives. 
This closing song is a prayer of inviting more of him in us. And so it's about gentleness, but it's also about self-control. It's also about kindness. It's also about love. It's also about all the things we're going to talk about. But we're going we're gonna to sing this song as a prayer that if more of him means less of me, then take everything. So I want to begin the prayer, and then these guys are going to finish it. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the gift of the Spirit. And... Uh, Sometimes we have ignored that spirit and acted like it didn't exist and kind of depended upon our own reasoning and abilities to interpret the scriptures and all these things. And, and we just kind of pretended that there was not a third member of, of the Godhead. Sometimes we've made the spirit just really weird and bizarre. And we've just taken it to the other extreme. And uh, we've made it all about things that maybe it wasn't intended to be about. When I read your word... I see that the Spirit is given to form us in the image of your Son, Jesus, and to help us become more self-controlled and uh, gentler and kinder, more loving, more peaceful, more patient. And so, Father, that's our prayer. We need your Spirit to take over in our lives. We need it to take over in our churches. We need it to take over in our nation. We need Christian believers to stand up and say we need more of you in our lives and less of us and our own passions and desires. So, Father, this song is our prayer to you today as we close this service. Let's stand.